Blog Talk Radio. Thursday night. You got post time with Mike and Mike. Mike Bozich here. Mike Carter's there in uh, beautiful Buffalo where it has not snowed yet, surprisingly. And uh, we have got a jam packed, and I mean a fantastic show here for you tonight. Sam McKee, the terrific, uh, one of the terrific voices at the Big M, will be joining us. He also wears many hats at uh, the Meadowlands, and we'll talk to him about all the particulars coming up in just a few minutes. We're also going to be joined by Hannah Miller, the Monticello Goshen Ushua Award winner, the uh, Amateur Driver of the Year there. And uh, she has had just a tremendous 2015. She's going to be joining us near the bottom of the hour. And we're also going to be joined by DRF correspondent and Canadian racing expert as far as handicapping is concerned, Garnett Barnesdale. Plus, we're going to hear from a little bit more from uh, Anthony McDonald about the stable, www.thestable.ca. We'll hear from him a little bit later on. But, Mike, there are two pieces of good news. First of all, it has not snowed in Buffalo or Philadelphia as of the present. That's number one. Number two, we've got a beautiful weekend Ahead, We're supposed to be in the mid-60s. I don't know what you guys are doing over there, but we're supposed to be in the mid-60s coming up for the final couple of days of racing uh, at Harris, Philadelphia. And the third thing is we've been advertising this big, huge announcement on social media. And without further ado, Mike Carter, let's have that big Well, Mike Bozich, as you alluded to, we've got breaking news on Post Time with Mike and Mike. And uh, our big announcement is not next week, but the following week, we are going to have our first ever Post Time with Mike and Mike end of year award show. Uh, We've got about six or seven different categories, and we're going to use you, the fans of Harness Racing, to, uh, to help us with these awards, to help nominate folks, to help vote. And I'll tell you what, Mike, it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, uh, the show at the end of the year, it's going to be a two-hour-long show. What we're going to do is we're going to give away our awards, and we're also going to name who we think 
is, you know, two-year-old trotter, three-year-old trotter, and, of course, the all-important Horse of the Year honors. It'll be right, Mike. It'll be Thursday night. It'll be the last Thursday of the year. We also might be doing some giveaways that particular night as well. So stay tuned for the upcoming Thursday shows. Also, uh, follow us on social media uh, for more of the particulars. Uh, particulars. But anyway, we've got uh, some of the categories. We'll just give you a, a couple of teasers. Race call of the year. That's going to be fantastic. Now, of course, Carter and myself are disqualified, but that's perfectly fine. Race call of the year, iron horse of the year. I can't wait for that. Uh, stay tuned to social media and this show for more particulars as far as that's concerned. The small stable of the year, the race fan of the year. How often does a race fan get a shout-out, Mike Carter? He's going to get a shout-out on this particular show, the race fan of the year. Now, here's the key. You, the fans are going to have to make the determinations. And before we actually give out the award, we're going to have to have nominations. So if you have any nominations, and we'll just tease you with these four categories for right now, and we'll add more in the coming days. If you have any nominations for what your race call of the year might be, Iron Horse of the Year, uh, Small Stable of the Year, Race Fan of the Year, you can email us at ptmikeandmike at yahoo.com. Once again, I'll say that in case somebody's scrambling for a pen and a piece of paper. ptmikeandmike at yahoo.com. And send us those nominations for, once again, one of those four categories, Race Call of the Year, Iron Horse of the Year, Small Stable of the Year, Race Fan of the Year. Once we have the nominations, and Mike, have we decided we're going to close the nominations yet? Uh, I think we're going to let the nominations run for about a week. And uh, we'll go from there. Okay, so we'll have the nominations for about a week. But once again, send in your nominations if you have any idea. P.T. Mike and Mike at Yahoo.com. And it is going to be a fantastic show. It's going to be the last Thursday of 2015. And we're also going to talk about some of the year-end awards. Uh, that'll be coming out as well uh, by the USTA and, and some of the other organizations. And we'll also talk uh, a little bit more, uh, perhaps, about some giveaways. Maybe we'll do some giveaways. It's going to be a big show. It's going to be two hours. Of course, more on that as it gets closer. So anyway, Mike, what we'll do right now is we'll take a time out. Sam McKee's in the on-deck circle. He's going to talk some announcing, some racing with us. You've got post time with Mike and Mike, and we'll be right back. Give your horse the winning touch with MagnaWave, pulsed electromagnetic field therapy. It relieves pain, improves movement, stimulates acupuncture points, reduces inflammation. Get immediate results. Call the Essential Touch LLC Certified MagnaWave Practitioner, 302-922-0917. Get the winning touch. Pass to the lead. Always be Mickey on the outside. Tell it like it is right there with him. He's watching wins the Meadowlands page. Artificial, a desperate lunge on the outside. Artificial, something somewhere at the line. Artificial, 147. World record upset in the page. Legacy 
Murphy charging hard on the outside. O'Neiden Legacy getting up. Chris Ryder and O'Neiden Legacy to win it. They come off the turn and straighten out for the stretch drive. And it's Black Tie Affair who leads them at the eighth pole. Wiz along is trying to get to him on the outside. Private School is running in third. Solo Mad, a late move on the outside. But Black Tie Affair is drawing clear and he's going to win it. Welcome back to Post Time with Mike and Mike. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich, and we're joined now by Sam McKee. And, Sam, we've got a quick trivia question for you for a signed autographed poster of me and Mike. <laughs> Do you remember All when right. that last Boy, I'd love around? to have one of those. My Farrah Fawcett poster from my teenage years finally uh, dried up, so I need a new one. <laughs> well, do you remember that last race call that we uh, that we just yes, played? I, yes, I do. You must have gotten that off eight tracks. That was the Michigan Mile at Ladbroke Detroit Racecourse, which used to be Wolverine Raceway in uh, my home state of Michigan. And I believe it might have been 91, something like that. Oh, Sam, you're too good. But I got to tell you, you know how many nights I, I had to stay up till the middle of the night to find that particular clip? I had to go into... Al Capone's vault to find that. I needed Geraldo's help to break that vault open to find that. But uh, what a terrific race call. 1991 Michigan Mile Black Tie Affair. Sam, that was tremendous. He was a stone-cold runner, and uh, he was probably the best thoroughbred that I ever got to call a race with um, in, in thoroughbred when I was working the thoroughbreds for 10 years. We had another Michigan Mile the year before where Bo Genius photoed out opening verse in a stretch-long duel and opening verse went on to win the uh, Breeders' Cup Mile that year. And I think Bo Genius uh, set the pace of the Breeders' Cup Classic and got to the three-quarters of, like, nine and change before he ran out of steam. So even though it was small-time thoroughbred racing, we did have some good horses coming through DRC at times. Yeah, terrific, uh, terrific old memories. I never had a chance to see the old DRC. I never actually had a chance to see the old Hazel Park Grandstand. I started in 2004 there, and that was right after they tore down the grandstand. I mean, they tore down the grandstand like a month before I got there. And uh, it was actually quite a scene, Sam, because they tore this thing down. Uh, They did it with bulldozers. And, of course, you remember how tall that roof was. And uh, and I think it was the – I think they had five floors on that thing. And the fifth floor, they raised the roof to put that floor in. And I think that was back in the 70s, and I think they've only used it like twice or three times. That's how monstrous that facility was. But anyway, they tore this thing down, Sam, and like weeks before the meet, there was all this debris on the racetrack. And my old boss, Kenny Marshall, was walking that racetrack with a fine-tooth comb, desperately looking for any little piece of glass or anything that could prevent us from opening. And he said, there's no way we're opening on time. Sure as heck, we opened on time at a with a, uh, a temporary press box that kind of looked like a deer blind, and uh, <laughs> you know, and so and, and so the story goes. But you know, Sam, let's turn the clock back even further. What, you know, how'd you how'd you get involved in uh, in race calling? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I grew up in Michigan, and my father and grandfather raced standard breads as a hobby, and we raced at the Michigan County Fairs and some of the smaller tracks. Uh, we'd usually have two or three horses every year, very cheap horses that we'd buy at the one door sale in Delaware, Ohio for three, $400, that sort of thing. Did our own shoeing, grew our own hay and everything else. And it was just so much fun. And that's how I got exposed to the game. 
And ever since I was a really little kid, I, I liked the announcers and I liked the uh, race calls. And I'd run these little plastic horses around in a circle in my parents' living room and practice announcing races from the time I was about five years old. So I've always had a passion for harness racing and involved in the uh, rural county fair circuit is kind of how I got rolling. Now, Sam, uh, I know you've talked to my dad, and I kind of got the uh, kind of got started the same way, uh, at least uh, a little bit. Now, I I know when I practiced race calling, uh, when I was you know fifteen, sixteen, I was calling into a tape recorder. Uh, other than the fairs, what kind of other practice did you were you able to grab? Well, when I was when I was practicing, that was before tape recorders came along, Michael. I hate to date myself, but I actually got a cassette recorder for my birthday when I was uh, let's see, ten years old, and I got some race calls from Roger Houston. He sent me a, a tape of the Little Brown Jug in 1973, the year that uh, Melvin's Woe won, and also the Kentucky Fraternity that same year, which was won by Arnie Elmerhurst. So I played those races until that tape would not play anymore. And, yeah, I practiced into a tape recorder, too, and I'd, I'd use a stopwatch so I could kind of guess when the first quarter was, the half, that sort of thing, and just uh, just kept working at it and working at it and working at it and uh, practice, you know, with everything, whether it's playing golf or shooting free throws, that's how you can improve. And, you know, you really got to put in the time. Yeah, Sam, my buddy and I, we used to play uh, basketball just one-on-one, and I used to drive him nuts because I used to actually call the action while I was playing. And, uh, you know, he's like, for crying out loud, Mike, can you shut up? Now, you know, here's the thing. Um, You know, wanting to be a race caller and actually being a race caller and doing it for a living – uh, are completely do, two different things. Now, at what point, Sam, did you did it dawn on you that you said, you know what, I want to make a living at this, I want to do this? Pretty much from the time I was about 10, 11 years old, that's all that I really wanted to do. It was either that or be a driver, and I was a horrible driver. I had a P license for a while, and usually I'd get parked out or run into somebody, which was not a good way to make a, make a career out of driving horses. So from the time I was uh, in my early teens, that's really what I wanted to do. And honestly, guys, I just wanted to have a job in the industry where I could, you know, make a living. I had no no visions of grandeur or anything like that. I would have been very happy just announcing at the smaller tracks in Michigan if, um, you know, I could have made a living for my family. Now, Sam, uh, let's fast forward a little bit. Now, you're currently at the Meadowlands. Uh, you also do TV work. And I'll tell you, I came to visit you at the Red Mile this year, and you do TV work there as well, Correct. Yeah, I do, Michael. And nowadays in, in racing, as you guys know, the days of where you can just announce races for a living and make a decent living are gone. You know, tracks have cut way back on racing dates and way back on staffing. And the more things you can do, the more valuable you are as an employee. And actually, the Meadowlands has really uh, expanded into so many different roles for me that the race calling part is actually almost secondary and I, I run the TV department at the Meadowlands. I'm in charge of the simulcasting for all of our tracks and heavily involved with the management side, just like Mike Bozich and just like you're working into up there at, at Buffalo. And, uh, you know, keep pretty busy with a lot of different things going on. Now, with all the different things going on, Sam, and, of course, I remember how it was at Hazel Park. I was the assistant general manager, and, and you know, uh, half hour to post, I was uh, down there dealing with a mutual teller in the in the problems, you know, barely making it up to the booth for the Open. But uh, with all that being said and with all the different responsibilities, Sam, would you say that your preparation for a race call is, is changed a little bit? 
it it has I'm not able to focus on it as much as as I would like to. And when I get up in the booth and and um you know, you get in a groove. It's kind of like kind of like uh a basketball player. Sometimes you can't miss a shot and sometimes whatever you do it just doesn't seem to work out. And announcing's like that too. Usually you can cover it up well enough that you know, people really don't notice unless you're professionals in the business or really paying attention. But uh, it certainly does take away from the preparation and concentration. That's why I love Lexington so much, the Red Mile Grand Circuit meet. All I have to do is call races. I don't have to worry about whether the cameraman in Tower 3 showed up. I don't have to worry about a bad roll in here or a bad graphic there or that sort of thing. And, and it is so great because all I have to do is just enjoy the races and that's what i love most and that's why that's my favorite time of year well sam uh we we met up at the little brown jug and on our show opener to bring in the show it uh there is a quote from you uh from the telecast that says i cannot believe what i just saw and uh i'll tell you i witnessed wiggle or jiggle it live just like you did would you say that that's probably one of the best races you've ever seen without question that that is I would say that's the greatest race I've ever seen because what Wiggle It Jiggle It did, a horse cannot do. I mean, Michael, you were there. He could not get around the turns. And every turn, he lost his momentum. He'd get rough-gated. Montrell would have to gather him up, and he'd drop back. And the stretch in Delaware, Ohio, is about the length of a, a two minivans. You know, I mean, you're right. off the turn, and you're at the finish line, just like that. And for him to come back after being parked out like that first over – just an unbelievable performance. And there's been so many great races in our sport, but I think everybody agrees that's probably one of the best ever. Sam, talking about the Little Brown Jug and focusing on you for a second, now you guys, the broadcast that you guys do at the Little Brown Jug is second to none. And I have mean that, and that's not only my opinion. I've heard so many people, so many racing fans, that just cannot wait for that daily broadcast that occurs in that Little Brown Jug day. And I would imagine that the prep work would have to be so much. Now, is there anything else that you do besides the broadcasting there? No, I, I just uh, I just host the the broadcast there. And I used to work at the Little Brown Jug uh, as Roger Houston's assistant when I was a kid. Roger would, would race in the Billings races, so I'd go down and get to call the races there from the time I was like 20 or so and, until he got done driving. I might get to call three or four races or five or six, depending how many how – many, uh, you know, where his race was positioned on the card on Jugette Day. And then their assistant announcer, a guy named Phil Mauger, retired, and I got hired to do that job and, you know, announce the Winter Circle Trophy presenters. And that's kind of how I got my foot in the door down there. And then they started the simulcast broadcast. I'm not sure when it was, but in 1998, um, they called and asked me if I'd be on it. And that's how I started doing that. And if you don't have a mute button and you want to watch the jug, you don't have much choice but to listen to us all day. But it, it seems to work for those couple days every year, the jug ed and jug day. And it's a lot of fun, and everybody I work with are great. And, hey, we're just there enjoying the races just like everybody else, and it's fun to talk about it and talk to all the drivers and trainers and horsemen and just shoot the breeze about harness racing. Now, Sam, you've called it a ton of different racetracks uh, from uh, – Michigan to New Jersey and everywhere in between. Is there a favorite place that you like to call races at? Well, I'm still about a hundred tracks behind James Witherite, by the way. He's, <laughs> he's got me beat by a, by a country mile. I think the red mile in, in Lexington. And honestly, from, from, from the viewpoint 
it's not a great place to call. The, uh, Michael's been up in the announcer's booth, and, and Mike Bose, that you talked about Hazel Park being a duck blind or looking like one. Well, the Red Mile is actually a fishing shanty up there in the announcer's booth. It's bad. Oh, yeah. Plywood and leaks and plastic windows, and it's horrible. But it's just the best. When the, a beautiful fall day and, you know, when it's warm and sunny and great Grand Circuit racing and a nice crowd, it's basically a barbecue for the industry, but it's just phenomenal. And, and I would say that's my favorite place. Now, Sam, I, 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 I've been up there, and I'll tell you what, I, I was scared because I thought maybe you were going to fall out the window at the Red Mile. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, those windows are not real solid, that's for sure. Walking across the roof is pretty treacherous, too. That, yeah, that's right. Sam McKee, the, uh, one of the voices of the Meadowlands, uh, working with our good buddy Ken Warkerton over there and uh, taking care of the TV department. Uh, just a fantastic job over there. What's the future hold for Sam McKee? Well, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with the Meadowlands. Obviously, as as you know and everybody at Harness Racing knows, we hope to have a casino there at some point. Uh, we need to get the initiative on the ballot for a public referendum uh, next November, and hopefully we'll know whether it's going on within the next month or two so we can really develop a strategy to start advertising and promoting and pushing and prodding and, and working to make sure that the public's aware of what's going on and what we're trying to accomplish. And there's very few tracks. In fact, the Meadowlands uh, might be one of the last tracks that does not have some form of casino gaming or, you know, uh, purse subsidies to keep it afloat. And it's just amazing that we've been able to hang in there like we have because it's a purse-driven industry. And when the purses are twice as high at, at Yonkers or uh, Mohegan Sun or Harris, Philadelphia, it's very hard to compete for horses. And when you don't have full fields and good quality competitive racing, it's really hard to uh, hold your niche. So the future is kind of up in the air right now. We'll just have to see what happens. We're pretty confident that we have a good shot to a reasonable shot anyhow to get a casino or slots at the Meadowlands, but um, the whole future of the track and in, in large part harness racing could, could hinge on what happens within the next three years there. Sam McKee, one of the fine voices of the sport of harness racing at a few different places. Sam, we appreciate you joining us, and uh, be waiting by the mailbox uh, because we're going to overnight that poster to you, okay? I can't wait to get an autographed poster of Mike. And, Mike, now, does Mike Carter have the full winter beard, or is it the summer trim job that's going to be on oh, the no. poster? It's the total It's the total, It's the the total. total. Uh, winter beard. This, uh, the this picture could, that this I have could be – this could be the harness racing version of Duck Dynasty. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, my goodness. Well, well, listen, don't be waiting by the mailbox because uh, you're probably going to have to wait a little bit to get it. Sam, we appreciate you joining us. All right, us. guys. Yeah, great uh, job, and thanks for what you do for the business. It's greatly appreciated. Well, you too, my friend. We certainly appreciate it. That was Sam McKee, the voice of uh, voice of uh, not only the Red Mile, the championship meet there, but he calls uh, at the Big M. I certainly appreciate his uh, race calls and what he's done for the business. Mike, he's talking about what we've done for the business. My goodness, what's this guy done for the business? You know exactly. what I mean? I mean, just a fantastic, oh fantastic. Yeah, he has done. A, you know, he he's a great guy. He's a uh, man. I'll tell you, he's been my idol for years, and I could sit and watch him call races all the time. It just, you know, he's just one of my favorite race callers and uh he will always be one of the uh one of the best in my eyes if not you know what now now mike now for christmas maybe we should actually send him a a a poster just to kind of mess with him a little bit that that that, you know i think we should you know that'd be a fun time we'll get you know a poster together and uh uh, we'll get on some good paper and we'll send it to the meadowlands attention sam mckee 
Oh my goodness. Let let let's let's get the break. This thing's breaking down. Let's get the break. When we come back, Hannah Miller, uh Monticello Goshenushwa Award winner, amateur driver of the year. She's uh going to join us and we've got much, much more on post time with Mike and Mike straight ahead. Stay tuned. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board, working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. Post time with Mike and Mike would like to invite you to join us in positively promoting the sport of harness racing. Our advertising rates are extremely reasonable, and if you sign up for a one-month sponsorship package now, you get one week free. free. That's right, one week free. free. For more information on how you can sponsor Post Time with Mike and Mike, please email us at ptmikeandmike at yahoo.com. Also, follow us on social media on Facebook, Post Time with Mike and Mike. Also on Twitter at ptmikeandmike1. Bozich and Carter on post time with Mike and Mike nearing the bottom of the hour. Hannah Miller, the uh, Monticello Goshen Ushua Award winner, amateur driver of the year. She's going to be joining us here in just a couple of moments. Just had a great time talking to Sam McKee, one of the best uh, voices uh, that this sport has uh, ever seen. And I, I have to tell you, Mike, you know, digging up that 1991 uh, memento of the Michigan Mile was uh, really a favorite thing to do. I was so happy when I found it. I was so happy when I found it. Oh, I'm sure, Mike, and I'll tell you what, he, he nailed it spot on and knew exactly uh, what that race was. Yeah, coming up, Mike, don't forget, uh, we want you to email us, PT Mike and Mike at uh, Yahoo. We have uh, our awards, uh, well, it's not an awards dinner, but it's an awards show coming up, and uh, we're going to have some of the uh, categories uh, coming out, all of the categories. Keep your eye on social media. Uh, stay tuned to the show, but uh, we're going to have race call of the year. I'm sure Sam will probably have one of that, one of those. It, it does have to be 2015, though. It can't be back in 1991 where Black Tie Affair <laughs> won the Michigan Mile. Uh, we're going to have Iron Horse of the Year, Small Stable of the Year, my favorite, Mike, Race Fan of the Year. Now, if you have any nominations, send us those nominations via email, PT, Mike and Mike at yahoo.com, and we'll give you a week's time to do it. So we're going to cut the deadline to next Thursday, and then on next Thursday's program, we'll announce the nominations, and then at that point, uh, we'll give you a couple of weeks to vote, and then we'll uh, have our awards. We'll also talk about some of the year-end awards uh, that are going on in uh, by the USTA and everybody else that does them nowadays, and we'll, uh, we'll also uh, maybe have some giveaways, Mike. So uh, make sure you uh, stay tuned to social media, follow us on Twitter, like us on uh, Facebook, and uh, all that good stuff, Mike. Yeah, definitely. And uh, joining the show now is Ushua Award winner Hannah Miller. And uh, Hannah, thanks for joining us here this evening. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. All right, uh, Hannah, Hannah. 32, 32 wins I got. I'm like 32 wins out of 117 uh, starts. Uh, that was, uh, I believe those are the stats from a, a couple of days ago. Uh, first full season uh, in the harness racing amateur ranks. How would you assess the first season? you got to be happy. Oh, absolutely. It's been such a fun year. You know, I never expected this, but it's been such a great ride, and, and I can't, it can't be any happier, really. 
Now, Hannah, I've gotten, I've been privileged to call a couple of your races uh, at Buffalo and at Northfield Park. And uh, you've been driving all year long, all over the place. It seems like all over the world. Where has been your favorite place to drive this year? Oh, wow. That's a good question. You know, <laughs> I, I have driven a lot, a lot of tracks this year. Uh, I, I don't know if I can pinpoint a, a favorite. You know, the Meadowlands is always a fun place to drive. It's, you know, one of the meccas of harness racing. So it's always nice to drive there. But I mean, every track that I've traveled to has just been a pleasure. And, and not only that, but going overseas, driving in Spain, that was amazing too. And an experience I'll never forget. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the interview, Hannah. But uh, first things first, let, let's, you know, we're going to talk a lot about the good stuff, but let's just get about, let's get some of the bad stuff out of the way. The North American Amateur Drivers Association final at Yonkers, post eight is just, it's a nightmare over there, Hannah. It's a nightmare to deal with post eight at Yonkers and, uh, you know, finish fifth. I, I guess that's not too too bad there. Yeah, you know, that horse had the eight hole and I tried to leave out of there. There was a couple breakers that got in my way and kind of took me out of it. You know, I was really looking for a check in that race, and I'm I'm glad I got one. You know, from from that post, and without without those two horses making a break, I'm just glad I got a check there. And uh, at Harris, Philadelphia, a week before that, of course, the heavy favorite made a break uh, at uh, not too far after the start, maybe a little bit uh, uh, before the quarter there. And uh, I, by reading a couple of the articles, I could tell you you kind of took that personal. You were a little mad at yourself. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I own part of that horse. You know, I train him. I sit behind him every day, and I work so hard, you know, to get him there. But then at the same time, I'm also the one driving, so I'm responsible for what happens on the track. And that was my fault, and I've accepted it. You know, it was tough for me for a couple of days, and anyone that was around me knew it was. But, you know, now I, now I know every time I go back and I'm in that position, I know what the right move is, you know, the next time it happens. And hopefully I know that, and I'll make it. I'll make the right move instead of doing what I did there. And, and that was a hard one for me. You know, I really, I really wanted to win that race, but now I have something to work for, you know, so that pushes me to work even harder. Absolutely. And a couple of weeks ago, Hannah, we had Bob Krivlin on the show and we had Steve Oldford on the show and they talked a little bit about that race and, you know, their strategies were basically all predicated around what you did and uh, they couldn't have, uh, you know, we talked to him off the air a little bit and even on the air, they talked uh, just glowingly about what you've meant to the Billings this year and what you've meant to the amateur drivers, uh, you know, this year with such the great year that you have. So I just want you to know, Hannah, that they've got your back and, and I'm telling you, they're planning for you now. And, and I told, well, I told Bob, I said, you know, Bob, it's probably because she's been kicking your butt all year. <laughs> Yeah. By the way, that was Mike Carter that said that. So Bob Kriblin calls uh, on Mike Carter. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. You, okay. go, go ahead, Mike. Now, now Hannah, you get, you you travel with these guys uh, all year long. Um, we don't see a whole lot of the female aspect. Do they kind of give you a hard time or not so much? You know, I think at the first, at the beginning, I, I you know a couple of them gave me a hard time said a couple of things or whatever, but right now, you know, now I've been driving with them all year. I get along with all of them pretty good. And, you know, whatever happens on the track, it is what it is. And after the race, we're all pretty friendly and, and it's fine. That's another thing they talked about was the camaraderie, but let's uh, rewind time a little bit, Hannah. Um, obviously come from a great horse racing family, one of the best in harness racing, Irv Miller, legendary trainer. Of course, Marcus is your brother, one of the great young drivers in the sport today. And, uh, you know, Nick Zurich's your boyfriend, and he's uh, he's a, a very solid trainer out here on the East Coast, so it has to help to have that base to feed off of. Oh, absolutely. You know, I grew up doing this. My dad would take me to the barn on the weekends when I was in school. 
And I've just been around it my whole life. And having that family and, you know, Nick to support me helps so much. You know, no matter what, I can always have someone to turn to. I always have someone to ask for advice. And they're always there to give it to me, no matter what it is. Now, Hannah, let's take a look at the Ushua Award that you're receiving. And uh, what does that mean to you to have picked up this award this year, uh, the first full year of driving in the Amateur Series? Uh, How how does that feel? And uh, talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, I am so excited. Actually, I didn't realize that I was the first woman to ever get this award. So when I saw, when the article came out and I saw that, you know, it, it took things to a whole other level. And I'm so excited, especially for it to be my first full year really driving. It means the world to me to, you know, to get this award and, and kind of like make a name for myself, really. And this is somebody, if uh, you read the Ken Weidgartner article on uh, Uh using a quote of yours, you never really had the desire to drive when you start out. I, I guess that's changed, huh? Yeah, you know, uh, several years ago when I my dad asked me, he's like, you know, do you want to you drive in an amateur race? And I was like, oh, sure, I'll do it. You know, I kind of just want to say that I've driven a race, so that's why I did it. And I'm like, you know, I mostly just train and worked in the barn. And so I did that a couple of times a couple of years later. And, and then all of a sudden they come out on the East Coast because, you know, they have a couple of amateur races in Illinois, but nothing like they have on the East Coast. You come out here and I'm driving, you know, the, all year and almost two, three races a week. You know, it's like a full-time thing. There's so many more opportunities and all of a sudden it's just kind of snowballed and, and I can actually, you know, drive and, and work in the barn and do it full-time. Now, Hannah, uh, you're coming up to, I don't want to really call it the off-season, but a little slower part of the season. Uh, what's the plan now? I know you've got a couple of horses, but uh, basically will you be racing at Freehold, or what's what's the future hold for Hannah Miller? Uh, well, right now, yeah, I am going to take a little bit of a break, you know, just be at the barn. Actually, we're going to go away for a couple of days soon. But then, you know, there's then in January another series. The NADA series is going to start right back up early in January, and that goes all the way through till April. So I'll have that. And you know, if I could drive a couple of my own at Freehold, that would be nice too. A couple of more questions before we wrap this up, Hannah. Knight. you talked a little bit before about going to Spain to compete. What was that like? <sighs> that was, I mean, that was it was so much fun. The racing there is so much different. It's a different atmosphere. It's more relaxed, I would say. But the actual, like, driving, the first racetrack we went to was a third of a mile with a hub rail. And then there was, like, about 12 horses in the race. And I had, I think it was a seven hole, and they only scored six wide. So I was the first trailer. And right up against that hub rail and just going straight into that first turn that's so tight. I mean, it was it was an experience, that for, for sure. I didn't do very good. I think you have to drive there quite a bit more to really get good at it, but uh, it was definitely fun. Well, the racing has to be a lot different there, and like you were just saying, the distance, the configuration of the track, uh, certainly, uh, you know, experience would uh, play a big role into a situation like that, but okay, Hannah, we all know that, um, you know, you come from the great family, and and your dad, Irv, and your brother, Marcus, and Nick Surick's been there, but besides the family, uh, give a shout-out to some of the other people that have been instrumental in uh, making Hannah Miller one of the rising stars of 2015. Oh, you know, the girls uh, the girls at the barn, they have been, you know, the biggest player behind all of this. Trish Coyle, Miriam, they have both been there. They're at the barn every morning. They take care of my horses. They're the ones that are shipping me and my horses to the faraway tracks that no one, you know, to Plain Ridge or wherever it is. And they do a lot of the work for me. 
you know, I, I, I can't thank them enough. They have done so much to help me and help my horses. I, I, I'm so grateful for them. All right. Hannah Miller, rising star in the amateur ranks and a name that you are certainly going to hear a lot more of coming up in 2016 and beyond. Hannah, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Thanks for having me. All right. That was Hannah Miller. We've got more when we come back, uh, with post time with Mike and Mike, we'll talk a little bit more about our uh, awards uh, ceremony. I don't know if you want to call it a ceremony, Mike, but it'll be a it'll be a gala. We'll call it a, a gala. Um, but uh, we want you to get your uh, nominations in PT Mike and Mike at Yahoo dot com. Right now, the categories are Race Call of the Year, Iron Horse of the Year. Small Stable of the Year, Race Fan of the Year. We're going to talk a little bit more about that towards uh, the end of the show. We also have Garnett Barnsdale coming up, DRF uh, correspondent, also a Canadian racing expert as far as handicapping is concerned. Got a couple of big races coming up uh, over the weekend at Woodbine, and we'll talk uh, a little bit to him. And we've also got to Anthony McDonald talking a little bit more about the stable.ca. That's all coming up on Post Time with Mike and Mike. Do you suffer from migraines, back pain? Do you have shoulder problems or sciatica? Treat yourself to a MagnaWave treatment. Call the Essential Touch at 302-922-0917. Like us on Facebook at the Essential Touch LLC and check out our website at theessentialtouchllc.com. We are certified in human treatments as well as equine. takes them every ounce of energy to get out of bed. They struggle to the mirror and comb their hair, what's left of it. But when the race is on, it's on. The Daros in between horses, Jettison gets to the lead, and Jettison will take the Niatron. Down to the finish, McWicked by as much as he pleases. The Dalos with 100 yards to go. The Dalos and driver Drew Monty win the Niatros final. Draws away as they come down to the finish. Pinkman, a go-away winner. Catch Harness Racing's newest podcast, Post Time, with Mike Bozich and Mike Carter, every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern on blogtalkradio.com. We're back post time with Mike and Mike, Mike Carter, Mike Rosich on this Thursday night, and we still have uh, a lot left on this show and a uh, little time to do it. So what we're going to do now is we're going to hear once again, it's kind of the uh, second installment, if you will, uh, for www.thestable.ca. We're going to hear from Anthony McDonald on why this is a very, very good idea. Mike, if you want to roll it. Hi, this is Anthony McDonald with the Stable.ca. Uh, for the people that don't know who I am or what we do here at the Stable.ca, my wife and I, we operate a stable of Ontario, and we have uh, 22 yearlings that we train. We sell shares in those yearlings, uh, 1% at a time, as much or as little as you want to buy them for. It's an easy way for, for anybody to get involved, and, you know, in, in the way that the horse racing is today, 
um, you know, we've hit a bit of a lull in a number of jurisdictions, including mine in Ontario here. And I think it's it's uh, important that we get new investment, uh, new investment into the industry. And the only way to do that is is to go outside of our industry and try and get people back involved in horse racing. I mean, this is a great sport and it's a great game. And the more I talk to people, the more I realize that. We need to make it easy and we need to make it affordable for people to invest in this industry and that's exactly what we've done here at the stable. You check out our site, you can see videos of all our yearlings, commentary from the vets, the blacksmiths and the trainers that have went with the horses and see how how it all works inside the stable. The stable's open all the time if anybody wants to drop by, if they have to, happen to be in the area. And uh, we just want to make it as easy as it, as easy as we can for horse ownership in in uh, 2015 and 16 and beyond. So what we offer at the stable is quite simple: an opportunity to get involved in a great game at an extremely minimal cost. Feel free to drop by and visit the stable at www.thestable.ca. That's www.thestable.ca. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board, working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. Welcome back to Post Time with Mike and Mike. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And, uh, Mike, I'll tell you what, thestable.ca. I'm telling you, I'm going to get a couple of horses for my wife, I think, because it is definitely uh, it's definitely something to look into. And uh, if you're interested in horse ownership, you need to reach out to our good friend, Anthony McDonald. I'll tell you what, he's got a heck of a thing going. Yeah, no question. And I know I sound like a broken record because for the last couple of weeks I've come on here on this show and talked about how I take it from a little bit of a different perspective. And, you know, being on the other side of the uh, horse segment, so to speak, with, you know, not uh, on the management side a little bit that I've been uh, involved in so many years, um, I'm always looking for a way to try to bring new fans into the sport. And you have to remember, Mike, that if you go back to the old days, the clubhouses, you know, were filled Yes, they were filled with racing fans, but they were also filled with owners and their friends. And that's something that I think racing's, you know, lost sight of. I mean, racing is, is trying different things to bring in new fans, but maybe one of the things that's been underestimated is how we can bring new owners and new owners coincidentally bring in new fans so to make a long story short i'm really on board with uh with what anthony's trying to do here i think it's a fantastic idea you know we talked for a little bit off the air uh, a couple of days ago when we were putting this thing together and uh you wouldn't believe some of the response that he has had so far i mean and, and from so far i mean from people outside of the country uh, uh, uh from people out of north america so uh, it's a, a tremendous thing, and once again, I want you to visit them at www.ca, uh, excuse me, .thestable.ca, and I also want you to visit all of our other sponsors, Essential Touch, uh, Friends of Maryland Standard Breads. They make sure that we're here each and every week, so uh, make sure you visit and patronize them. That would be huge to us, Mike. Yeah, definitely, and uh, I'll tell you what, Mike, we've got a, in my opinion, we've got a very special guest coming up right now. Uh, he's the DRF contributor for the uh, WEG circuit up north, but Mike, he is my personal 
uh, partner in crime. Isn't that right, Garnett? <laughs> it absolutely is. Uh, hi, guys. How are you doing? Not too well. Wait, wait, wait. He's a Buffalo. You're a Buffalo Bill fan, right? I'm a rabid Buffalo or, lifer, Buffalo Bills fan. Uh, fortunately or unfortunately, whatever you want to no, say. But I, yes, you absolutely. Know what? Garnett, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you something. This uh, they've got something to work with with this Tyrod Taylor. I'm very impressed with this kid. Yeah, me too. He's got a, uh, what impresses me the most is he doesn't he doesn't rattle. He doesn't phase. He's got a lot of poise for somebody who's only started a handful of games. So we're really look we're really liking him so far. And they're coming to Philly this week, am I right? Or, or is yeah. Philly going there? Yeah. Shady's Revenge. Oh, boy, <laughs> that's the sequel. Shady's Revenge. But, you know, Garnett, and we'll get to horse racing in just a second, but I do have to bring this up. And I just read this, Mike, before we got on the show, that Chip Kelly actually issued an apology to really? Sean McCoy. Yes. So, of course, the, the headline is, will they shake hands? I don't know. Shady's Shady saying he won't, but maybe now he will. Yeah. So. It doesn't sound like he's a very good tipper. I don't know if you heard that story, but uh, he wasn't a very good tipper out here in Philadelphia. Mike, you want to get us uh, pointed back in the right direction? Yeah, the f- first leg of the Niagara series is coming up at Woodbine. It's race five tomorrow night. And I'll tell you what, Garnett, looking at this race on paper, it's, uh, in my opinion anyway, it's completely wide open. Uh, what did you think of this race? The Niagara series, yes. Um, well, you know what? I really actually like uh, number three, Much Ado, quite a bit. She um, two starts back. She uh, was an easy winner, and uh, this was after she was actually uh, changed hands. Um, and then in the final, she kind of got uh, she left really hard in a twenty-five and four first quarter. She was forced to take the pocket. She was only a length behind Aniston, Steel- Aniston Sealster, the leader. And then uh, the leader cut a 101 and three middle half, Mike, which made it virtually impossible for Much Ado to do anything in the stretch, uh, unlike her name. But she still uh, closed up in 28 and two and was only a length, beaten a length. And now Aniston Sealster isn't in this race. So I actually like her the best. And there's another one that interests me a little bit is the six, Dusty Lane, Ms. Vicky. She took a lot of money last week, went off at six to five, despite uh, having missed five weeks uh, racing, which, which I, you know, for me is typically a strong bet against, but she just showed, showed such good form in Charlottetown, winning uh, several races in a row in very fast time. And last week uh, she cut the first three quarters, pretty, uh, pretty strong fractions, and then just kind of stopped in the lane. And I think really think that was because the, the Philly was a little bit short, so those are the two I like the best, but I really much ado is actually my best bet tomorrow night. Garnett taking a look fast forwarding to Saturday, the uh, valedictory. There's a couple of legs there. Three year old Colton Geldings will be in action for now. It is a fifty thousand uh, life as of October thirty first, and uh, there's a couple of different legs there. And if you look at the first leg, you've got that heavy three to five favorite Mohawk Warrior, who's been doing battle with the big dogs. I mean, Freaky Feet Pete, Wiggle It Jiggle It, and has been racing quite well. And since getting out of that particular company has looked very strong, winning two straight. Is there any beat in this guy? I don't think so. Um, and it's interesting to note uh, Moreau also has the heavy favorite in the second leg, which we'll talk about in a minute. But in the last two Saturdays, Richard Moreau's won five races both nights, and uh, Philly has driven every one of them. And, uh, you know, Mohawk Warrior, if he was going to get beat, it probably would have been his first start up here uh, after finishing third to Freaky Feet Pete in the American National because he'd missed three weeks. But he actually won that race quite easily, probably more easily than it looks on paper. And then last week came back and won in 51-1. and won. I don't really see anyone beating him. The horse I like for second is Nature Scape. He uh, kind of showed a new dimension last week, 
closing from far back, and he was closing very quickly at the end. I mean, I guess if anybody could beat him, it would be him, but I, I don't see it happening. Now, Garnett, the Ontario autumn uh, that Naturescape came out of, uh, explain to our listeners a little bit. Is that kind of like a sire stakes race or? It's similar to, to this. Uh, it's, a, it's a stake series with uh, some legs and, and, and a final, and it's the same kind of deal where it'll, it'll have a condition like non-winners of X amount of, of money by a certain date, similar to this one here. Same kind of, same kind of idea. Yeah, all right, moving right along, uh, Garnett, the second leg is right there on race two, and you talked about it, another heavy favorite, uh, three to five. The three horses won uh, three straight Ontario Autumns and, and is certainly looking uh, in very, very good form, going to be tough to beat here. Yeah, this one, Cajun Lightning, actually was sold uh, after the first leg of the Autumn Series. And if you look at the past performances, you see what happened since then, since he moved to the top trainer's barn, He's gotten faster by, you know, about six, seven lengths in both of those starts. Um, every time I look at this horse, I kind of get a little ill because four starts back, I was live in the pick five in the last leg, and uh, the driver uh, got in a horrible blind switch turning for home and ended up only losing the race by half a length. And you see what he's done since then. So every time I look at it, I say, how could this horse possibly lose to single white sock? But we know that's the way the game goes sometimes. There's not much you can do about stuff like that. Now, Garnett, in this uh, second division, uh, first leg of the valedictory, do you see anybody else coming close to this horse? I know Shades of Bay is four to one on the morning line, and Tower of Power seven to one. But you know, I, I just I don't see this horse getting beat. Do you? I don't see him getting beat. No, I actually tweeted a couple nights ago when I seen the entries, even before I seen the past performances, that this double might pay less than three dollars. If I don't think know if anybody's ever seen anything like that before, but it could. Now, Garnett, uh, me and you were talking off the air uh, a little bit ago, and there was a horse you were talking to me about that is in, I believe you said, on Monday, correct? Yeah, there's a horse I've been watching. He's in the preferred trot. His name's Fearless Man. Last year at this time at Woodbine, he won three or four races in a row, uh, going to the front, taking no prisoners. I mean, horses were uh, horses were pulling and making moves on him early in the race, and Zeron would drive on and just, Absolutely no way anybody's getting the lead from this horse. Now, he's, he had a, a, a long layoff from April to November. First start back from the six hole, um, he didn't go at all. He, he sat ninth uh, most of the trip, finished eighth, kind of a nothing, really just kind of, you know, uh, get some of the rust out uh, start. But last last week was a little bit different in that uh, he, again, went to the back from the nine hole, but if you watch the replay, this horse was really flying in the last eighth of a mile. He went uh, it, he went from eighth by 12 to fifth by five and three quarters. But he made up a lot of his ground right at the end of the mile. And to me, that shows that he's probably ready. And if Zeron sends this one, I think he's he has a very good chance of going down the road. And he'll, he won't be the chalk because Osanio dreams in the race, won four out of his last five. Um, he's a bit of an odd horse in that if you watch him race, Trevor Henry uh, stays busy on this horse a lot. Like when he makes his move, uh, he usually lays the whip on him four or five times as he first starts his move, and a lot of times he'll stall and then keep coming again. He's, he's a bit of an odd horse to, to watch, but, I mean, he's made over 300000 the last two years, so you can't knock him at all. But I think Fearless Man might even be third choice in this race, and I really like him a lot. 
All right, Mike. So we got a release. Make sure you do it. And Carter, get your two bucks ready because uh, I feel a show bet coming on. Although I know you only like to bet favorites at the show, so this horse might go off a little bit longer for you. Now, Garnet, I know you've got a lot of material in front of you, but I do want to give our live listeners a little bit of a bonus. Now, uh, they are racing tonight at Woodbine. Uh, they do have a late pick four starting in race seven. Uh, and yep. uh, I know you, you've probably looked at, at it. I haven't had a chance to look at it, so uh, I'm completely going to trust you here, buddy. You want to maybe give our fans uh, a little bit of uh, analysis for tonight's pick four if they want to make a quick buck? If I can find it. <laughs> Today's the 10th. Today is the today 10th, is the t- right? I, I, threw, I, I threw a lot at you. We went from from Friday to Saturday back to Thursday. Yes, today is the 10th. That's okay. it's, it's just that I have about 100 different proofs here for uh... – <laughs> <laughs> I do my work for DRF, but yeah, I got it right in front of me now. Uh, race right. seven, I like uh, Romantic Fever a little bit. Uh, Romantic Fever made one start coming here from Hoosier Park, uh, finished uh, only fourth, but she she went from eighth to fourth in the back half, and she hadn't raced in three weeks. I think she'll be a little bit sharper here. The other, I actually used four horses in this race. The second one I used was Sindalian Duke who uh, has nine wins in 15 seconds in 42 starts this year. She has a habit of finishing second, but in this race she actually looks pretty good. I don't see how you can really leave her out in race. Uh, sorry, the uh, third one I used was Wistie's Paradise from the Rail. Uh, three and four starts back, she won in this class pretty easily. And then uh, kind of got she was kind of too far behind in her last two starts. So from the rail, she might be able to get out a little bit better. And the last horse I used was number four, B. Santana's Love. Goes for a very hot barn. Isaac Waxman's been winning a lot of races. Brings his horse in from Flamborough in good form. So I think it's another one uh, you can't really leave off the ticket. Now, going to race eight, I have only two horses in this race. I really like the one horse uh, more. Grand Premier uh, came up from Hoosier last week. Hadn't raced since November 10th, so that's uh, 24 days in between starts. Made a very strong first over move uh, towards the leader at the three quarters and actually trotted his own uh, third quarter in 28 flat uh, was rebuffed and then kind of came on again at the end, only lost by three quarters of a length. I think that was a really strong race. So I, that, I like that one the best. The other one I'm using is the three secret Missy who finished fourth in the same race, but was ninth, uh, 13 lengths behind at the quarter and had started from the nine hole. I think if secret Missy uh, gets out a little bit better, she stands a chance to, to perhaps upset the one, but I like the one more uh, in the ninth race. I have, once again, uh, three horses. Number three, Steve Said, who uh, finished fourth coming off a break last time and going from Woodbine to, uh, sorry, from Flamborough to Woodbine. Parked the back half, last quarter 28-1. Pretty good pretty good race there. I have the seven-horse Midnight Play. Midnight Play was parked the entire mile last time. Um, it was one of the situations where the driver tried to get in, tried to get in like fifth, sixth, seventh. The next thing you know, the holes all closed up. He found himself ninth at the quarter and parked. He, he stayed out, and uh, the horse only was beaten two and three-quarter lengths in fourth. I thought it was a really good effort. I think you kind of got to use that one. And then the eight-horse, I'm keeping this guy, was uh, second last time, was flying up the inside of the track at the very end, only lost by a head. So I have three, seven, eight in that race. And then in the last leg, I only have two horses. Uh, number seven, Big Pete's Style who's dropping from numbers of two, which can be a pretty tricky class at times, uh, down to a $10,000 condition claimer, which is really the lowest class at the track. And his last three starts, he came home in uh, 28 and two, 27 and three, 27 and three. Nobody else in here shows that kind of late speed. I kind of think 
Christopher is going to send this one to be a lot closer than you normally see he is on the on the past performances with the dropping class. And the second horse he used was eight regal fame, uh, also dropping out of condition races. Two starts back, one uh, broke his maiden in pretty good style at 155 and two. So if I can uh, sort the pages out, I can recap that for you in a second. The tick, my ticket goes like this: one, three, four, and six, onto one and three, onto three, seven, and eight, onto seven and eight, which I believe is forty-eight dollars for a dollar. Or you could play it for nine sixty if you like to play for twenty cents. Garnett, what was that? Uh, what was that third leg? One more time. The third leg is uh, three, seven, and eight. And then the last leg was three, eight. Seven, eight. Three, seven, eight again. Okay. No, no, just seven and eight in the last leg. Oh, just seven and eight. Okay. I will, <clears> one we'll thing I want to mention. <clears throat> Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, guys. One thing I want to mention, I noticed I followed Anthony there, and uh, I actually went out to Grand River uh, last month to do a little, to do a piece I'm going to write on it. And, I, you know, I was surprising at Alora, you know, Laura, which is kind of in the middle of nowhere up here, on a uh, on a Tuesday night at 7:30, there's like 25 people showed up. So there's a lot of real there's a lot of interest in it, and I agree with everything I heard right at the end that Michael uh, Michael was saying about you know it's a great idea to get people involved, and and I think the the main thing to remember is they're going to bring other people up to the track, and that's well that's what we need in this industry more than anything right now. Yeah, definitely. Well, Garnett, we uh, we certainly appreciate uh, you joining us tonight and uh, giving the listeners. Uh, the pick four, and hopefully we'll give them a couple of uh, big victories this weekend and on the Monday. That's awesome. It's always a pleasure, guys. Thank you, and uh, you're doing a great job. So it's, uh, anytime you want me to come on, I'll be happy to. Well, Garnett, we certainly appreciate that, and uh, we'll uh, we'll catch you on the next time, okay? Okay, have a good night. You too. That was Garnett Barnsdale, the D- Daily Racing Forum uh, contributor and, my, again, my partner in crime. Uh, you sort of have to be there for the story, uh, Mike, but that's uh, that's for another show at the very yeah, least. Bu- bu- Buffalo fans, Buffalo fans. You know, Mike, where did the time go? I mean, how much time do we have left? Boy, this was a great show, and it went so fast and uh, kind of slipped away from us, huh? Yeah, we got a little over two minutes to go, and uh, I'll tell you, that's that's what happens when uh, when we get when we have these type of shows. And I'll tell you what, it's been a lot of fun from Sam McKee to Hannah Miller, then to Garnett and to uh, Anthony Miller. I mean, it's Anthony Miller. Listen to me, Anthony McDonald. I'll tell you what, it's uh, it's been a lot of fun, Mike. Yeah, it sure has. A couple of things I want to mention real quick, and I know we're dangerously short on time, um, but uh, the uh, driving standings for the National Dash title, uh, George Napolitano Jr. had four wins today, had one that he was uh, actually disqualified for, or he would have had five, but the, right now he leads Aaron Merriman 824 to 817, but don't expect that to stand because after the 13th, it looks like uh, sometimes George Napolitano would go down to Florida, but it does not look like at this time that he will do so. So that's pretty much for all intents and purposes going to going to uh, give it to Aaron unless uh, Ronnie Ren can close some ground towards the end. Uh, so, but anyway, we'll keep you up to date on that. Uh, congrats to Jonathan Roberts, three uh, thousandth career win uh, over at the Rosecroft uh, this past Tuesday. So, congratulations to Jonathan. And uh, also the Global Symposium on Racing uh, took place uh, in uh, Arizona, Mike. And uh, hopefully, now we're not going to make any promises because uh, you never know in this business, but uh, hopefully next week we'll get somebody from the symposium to talk about some of the ideas. They had a real big push on ideas and innovation this year. And hopefully we'll get somebody from there to kind of, you know, break it down for us. And uh, don't forget about our award show 
Um, once again, it's going to be the last Thursday of the year, but we're taking nominations now until next Thursday. So email us, ptmikeandmike.com. Once again, right now, here are the categories. And you have to follow us on social media for the rest of them. But here are the categories right now. We have Race Call of the Year, Iron Horse of the Year, Small Stable of the Year, Race Fan of the Year. Email us with any nominations, ptmikeandmike at yahoo.com. Well, Mike, uh, that's all the time we have. We uh, certainly appreciate all of you joining us. For Mike Bozich, I'm Mike Carter. We'll see you next week with the first post of 7 o'clock.